Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to NeuroDetergent. And this is Sarah, licensed clinical social worker. And this is Katie, licensed professional counselor. Our goal is to reach like-minded folks in an effort to connect, encourage, and support each other in our struggles navigating life with neurodivergence. What are we forgetting? Um, um oh, fun. Fun. And laughs. And laughs. Along the way, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> A stubborn stain on your atypical brain. You need neurodetergents. We're gonna spill the tea about ADHD and wipe it clean with neurodetergents. You need neurodetergents. All right, you are listening to Neurodetergent. Uh, Katie and Sarah, this is episode 20. The Can big you believe it? <laughs> There you go. <laughs> she got it. You got it, Katie. I'm proud of you. Yes. You were able to jump in. I did. I got and it. And attack from the back. Attack. And Come from behind. we made it happen. <laughs> um, any Anything interesting happen this week? <laughs> we saw we the Spider-Verse movie. We did. How was, was that? Oh, my God. It was, it was good. You went to the movie theater to see it? We mm-hmm. did. Oh, nice. We went yesterday. When was the last time you even went to a movie theater? Nope. Uh, nope. We saw no. Nope. We saw that twice. Um, I saw the Batman was the last movie oh, I yeah. saw, and so it's been over a year since oh, I've been dang. to a movie theater. I need to get back in there. I miss pre-COVID. The... We, I got pretty obsessed with the Joker. I saw that yes. a lot in the Did theater. Did you see no? No. You oh, seen it's it? so good. No. How have you not watched that? That's so good. It's so watch good. that with your recliner really close to the yes. TV, cranked up. Yeah. Okay, it's that's one it. of the um, Jordan Peele. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's one of his movies. I only saw Get Out. I haven't seen any of the I other ones. I think we've seen all of them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched Titanic. Oh my gosh, it was awful. <laughs> like the worst. The, I, so I had seen the Titanic one time. The the James Cameron. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the 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 Titanic. Yeah, I yeah. watched it when it came out uh, in nineteen ninety seven. Me too. I had not seen it since in the theater. So we decided to watch it. it. It took about three nights. For us oh to watch gosh. it, and then like even then, it was me fast forwarding at least every ten seconds. So I have never seen that, that movie. Um, oh, it was shit. it was such a phenomenon. So it was such a phenomenon in junior high, yeah, or high school when I when it came out because I remember I was working my first job, so I was mm-hmm. sixteen, and high school then. Right? It was so like huge, and everyone's like, "Oh, you got to go see, it. you got to go see it." That like me. As my like rebellious teenage self, I was like, "Well, I'm not gonna see it," and oh. I still haven't. I've still never seen the movie. I mean, it's I mean, I know so what happens. Bad. The boat sinks, right? Well, yes, absolutely. And Leonardo DiCaprio does. dies, right? He do, he do. Yeah, um, a lot of people do. Um, and he drew her like one of his French girls. I remember that meme. I mean, I don't. I we didn't watch that part, <laughs> not for any other reason than we skipped a lot. Yeah, I just I don't even know why we watched it. Come to think of it, because of the I'm just, whole I mean, Titanic spoiler alert, surely submarine it, thing. Surely most people who want to have seen it have seen it, but in the end, she does the most privileged, oh passive aggressive like thing. She throws the fucking necklace out. This guy spent his whole fucking adult life, life it, like like, career like some king wore it. It's this like famous jewel, and she when just she like throws it. She <laughs> and tosses and it in the tosses ocean. The motherfucker out. That's to what uh, it's like. That Britney Spears song. She references that scene, right? Oh, I don't know. There's a there's a or is at least in the music <laughs> video. It's like I thought she tossed it in the lake at the end or in the ocean at the end or something. And he's like, I went and got it for you. What? Oh, that's awesome. I have kinda no like idea. Movie... I love that you have a Britney Spears reference. <laughs> kind of like, like the movie uh, Legend. Have either of you seen? Oh, that? I love Legend. Yes. 
Katie probably hasn't. No, it's so it's good. great. So um, I do want to do like a quick callback. I mean, we are going to continue <laughs> the the growing up neurodivergent episode because there's yeah. a lot of things we didn't get into. But I do want to give you an update. This was brought to my attention by a friend of mine. Um, and we talked about sensory issues last week. And we talked about going to like retail stores mm-hmm. in particular. And they sent me an article where – um, the shopping window from 8 to 10 a.m. every Saturday in July and August, there's some stores in the northwest Arkansas area, which is where uh, Walmart's headquarters is mm-hmm. at, um, that are doing like a sensory uh, – for people sh- to shop that have sensory issues. They're going to oh. dim the lights a little bit. There's not going to be any music playing and uh, – that's I think that bad. was kind of like serendipitous Yeah. Um, that we actually brought up that specific situation. And it turns out that there is a retailer that's taking some steps and hopefully rolling this out across the country. Uh, I mean, it sucks that it's Walmart because, you know, they're inherently terrible. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. So what is the Christmas song? There's a Christmas song that comes out every year. And every year I find myself at Walmart and it's like blasting. Feels is it like Mariah Carey? All I want no, for Christmas is you? It's... um. Is it? Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Uh, hang on, just a second. It's like I don't know. They repeat the same thing over and over again, and it gets louder and louder. I know and what louder it is. It's like it's so. It's, like, it's Paul like, McCartney simply yes. having a wonderful Christmas oh, time. Oh gosh! And it's like feels like you remember that story that you told me that somebody. It's like a short story where they're in a disco and like everybody's dancing, but then like it gets frenzied yes. and like everybody just like dances until they die. Yeah. It's like that. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious that you brought that up because I have I and and as soon as the memory comes up on Facebook, I'll tag you in it because I have posted before about how terrible that particular oh, song is because my, of the same reason. Yeah, and you're talking to someone who used to work me. in retail and had like as soon as you get back from like as soon as Black Friday, yeah. it's Christmas music up until New Year's. That song feels like a frenzy. I, yeah. feel, I start sweating. I'm like, oh, oh my, my fucking God. turn this off. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the, like worst. It's the worst. It is Just the worst. It, and, yeah. you know, maybe we could get into like, uh, you know, when we get closer to November and December, dealing with the holidays as neurodivergent. Uh, that yeah. might be an interesting topic uh, yeah, to cover. Um, being a parent, too, and being neurodivergent, like dealing with the holidays, because it is overwhelming. I mean, it's... It's so bad for me that I have pretty much sworn off. I haven't gone – I mean, we talked about this last week. I haven't done any yeah, family yeah. holiday stuff um, this last year, and I don't want to start anytime soon. <laughs> but all right. We're going to continue with <laughs> last week's episode. <laughs> Unless you have anything to add, Sarah. No, or... I'm good. It's like we all zoned out into like <laughs> – I was looking at the screens because Frozen they're Christmas so different, mode. but they're the same picture. Yeah, it's, it's just a different resolution. Oh, it's I have like a I have a triple monitor set up in my and office. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to brag or anything. I'm not but, to brag, but. Um, so when we talk about like the the comments that were left on those um, posts that we made about the things that you did mm-hmm. when as a child that maybe you recognize now as being neurodivergent, a lot of them describe challenges with attention and focus, which I definitely suffer from. Um, and I know, Katie, that that's something that you um, deal with. Sarah, do you have atten- uh, problems with attention and focus? Um, For sure. I think I have workarounds that I didn't realize how necessary they were um, because I didn't – I never really got challenged. But I had to be drawing or taking notes mm-hmm. and not necessarily recording what's being said. But, like, the only way I could listen is if I was, like, focused on – 
drawing. And no, luckily, no teachers ever really challenged me on that. I've learned through talking to lots of other people that they had teachers that wouldn't let them do that. And I don't know if I could have paid it. I don't know what I would have done. I just probably would have zoned out. Why is it that you think drawing and taking notes helps you focus on things? Um, because I can block out all of the distractions and just listen. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of times what I'm drawing is like what, like a picture of what they're saying or something like that. And it just helps me. So I'm not like watching the teacher, watching the people around me, like looking at their face, thinking about their hair. I, you know, whatever. (laughs) I can get that. I can get that. I mean, I think our brain works a little different than yours because I don't think that would help me focus like (laughs) at all. Uh, But it is something I've noticed that you do a lot. Um, You know, you're doing it right now. You do it like a trivia night. We always try to make sure that we have extra paper for you and stuff like that. So so you're not doodling all over the answer sheet that we're supposed to turn in. But um, that's interesting. That's interesting that that's what you do. Katie, do you have any strategies that help you focus, especially since you've learned that you have this disorder? Um, I think that, like, for me, I, as I do with all things, kind of just uh, come into any space just really hoping for the best. Um, mm-hmm. I don't plan much. Um, I'm not like, oh, I need to get a piece of paper and a pen so that I can pay attention. I just try my best until I can't anymore. And then usually I excuse myself. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Eric? Like, how do you focus? Um, most of the time it's, it's a intentional concerted effort, Yeah, but yeah. it's still difficult. Like I can not have anything in my hands or not be trying to draw anything or, or have just complete silence and no music or background noise or anything going on when I'm trying to have a conversation with someone, but I can be looking them directly in the eye and even speaking to something and still be thinking of a completely different <laughs> thing in my head. Sure. Kind of like, and, and, you know, I brought up in the everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once episode yeah. where that, uh, those scenes where they show the main character jumping between multiverses mm-hmm. like that. I feel like that's such a good visual metaphor for how my brain works yeah. sometimes. Because like I can be physically there, but not be present, <laughs> yeah. and and just operating on autopilot. <laughs> um, and as far as staying on task and focusing on things goes, it's it's just micromanaging myself with ta- with notifications and yeah. alerts and and things to mark done. Uh, that that helps. Yeah. Um, how would we be supportive of children that you know deal with those issues? I think at an individual level, if I'm being honest, because like if you just take like us three, for example, like um, the way that like uh, my neurodivergence, I guess, was like dealt with in like a classroom setting was like it was not it was like get out (laughs) Go sit outside the classroom. Go sit over there. You're being a distraction. Go away. Right? And so mm-hmm. that was, like, the message that I got. And so, like, and because, like, um, if I don't if I don't understand something, I'm, lo- I'm pretty loud about it. I'm like, wait, hey, I don't get it. Right? Mm-hmm. And so um, <clears throat> the way that that's dealt with is, like, differently than, like, say, Sarah, who checks out. Because she's not a distraction. She is distracted, but she's not distracting anybody else. Whereas, mm-hmm. like with you that comes differently too so i mean like i think that it's like on an individual basis which is like i get like that's like hard to say because the because how do you do that in a classroom with 30 people and one teacher like everybody has their own issues sure so yeah i I, I hear (laughs) like i mean it feels like impossible 
Yeah, we talk about um, difficulties transition with transitions mm-hmm. and unexpected changes. I kind of brought that up with a, a work issue that I had last week, and then we spoke about it before the podcast about like scheduling some things and right. when when plans change. Um, that's like really hard for me to deal with, um, and it feels like sometimes, especially like in this project, maybe with work and things like that you know, we'll get to a point where we're like firing on all cylinders, right? Mm-hmm. And and everything's running smoothly. And then something happens where like a wrench gets thrown into the to the gears and everything just kind of just screeches, <laughs> comes to a screeching halt. Right. And then it's like, I have to like step back and dig the wrench out. And, you know, then that, it's just hard for me to process things like I that. And that... is that something that either of you, Sarah or Katie, that you... I think that I can relate to that um, in the sense that I I used to be a lot more like that. Like, I used to, like, um, when things didn't go according to plan or when we had, um, like, a routine going or whatever, if that was thrown off or if something was, like, you know, came up that, that stopped that or my plans didn't go the way that they were drawn up, like, I would feel almost like angry Mm -hmm. i don't i don't i don't know if anger is the right word but the way that it presented was anger the way it feels to me um i mean for me it's more like frustration so take like the work example Mm -hmm. um i feel like when the people that i answer to yeah um pull me into a meeting and a lot of times it's a last minute thing it's like five ten minutes till the end of the day hey can you meet real quick hey we want to make this huge change to how you guys are doing your thing um and we want you to start tomorrow (laughs) and i'm like okay nobody's really taking into consideration how that's going to affect the team Mm -hmm. and that's frustrating because it feels inconsiderate to me um, and you know, I was able to talk to my boss about it and we were able to come to a compromise where we're going to like review those processes and, and hopefully, unless it's something that's like critical, mm-hmm. um, we can implement changes as needed, like on a monthly basis to give right. my people time to acclimate to those things. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm, if, if you didn't already get that impression from me, <laughs> Katie and Sarah, I am like a very by the book right. person when it comes to following a documented yeah. process, right? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, it yeah. says here mm-hmm. on page whatever in this paragraph and this sentence that this is against whatever and that it's supposed to be done this way. So unless this changes, I don't understand why you're telling me I to do it differently. I think that there are certain circumstances and situations where that is necessary to be by the book and to, mm-hmm. to implement those things. I think that like most of the places where I've I've worked and most of the like settings and environments that I've worked in, like that um like the like last minute decisions a lot of times are things that have to be made like in the moment and, right like, not by the book and like, there are and of course there's definitely extenuating circumstances right. and things that happen and plans get changed and and there is a certain degree of like flexibility mm-hmm. that especially in any kind of like corporate environment right you're gonna have to have in order to be successful in your role right um it's just when those things tend to happen for seemingly no reason. <laughs> yeah. I would say that you Hey, let's try this thing. Okay. I would say that you and Sarah are probably a lot more like by the book people than Yeah, I but am. I was just thinking as you guys were saying that that 
Like, I think, I don't know if it is my temperament or just how I grew up, but like, I've always had to just be ready on the fly for plans to change Mm -hmm. and kind of at the whim of what's happening. But then also I worked for like 13 years. I was like in a psych ER basically. Mm -hmm. So you have to just be at the whim of any 24 seven. You're just kind of like rolling with stuff. So like, I don't really mind when plans change, but I do, I think overcompensate for that by like always having like plans of like I always have a way to like um take my contacts out if I need to with me so Mm -hmm. like no matter what happens I like can always do that Mm -hmm. you know and like just so probably not everyone does that (laughs) that's that's smart to be prepared I and like I think that probably what that's done for both of us working Mm -hmm. in those situations is like always have like a plan B because like our, our kids are, um, very much like when when plans don't go accordingly mm-hmm. like they are very um well actually you said mm-hmm. that's true they do that yeah at this exact time yeah. it, this is what's in like so we always kind of have to be kind of going okay well this is what's going on this is but how... i always like make sure i have a snack and there's always right. a blanket in the car and like right. all the things <laughs> like so how else would children in particular those that are neurodivergent and i would imagine a lot of neurotypical children can get frustrated when things happen unexpectedly and plans change but like how could that affect someone that may be on the spectrum or has adhd differently i think it can be really difficult because it's easy to get stuck on that um the like the feelings that you all describe like frustration anger disappointment like, disappointment um Needing time to process the change and not be expected to just be like uh, instantly okay with it. Like mm-hmm. it's okay to be sad or, mm-hmm. or uh, angry or upset. Yeah. You know, but sometimes things do have to change. And it's okay to have an opinion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think a lot of the, I, I think like I hear a lot and I, I can relate to this too, um, that it's it like planning things and um, having plans is is sort of just as fun or it is part of the fun of of actually doing the thing so like if you plan to go to disney say and in that in that plan like the planning part of it is just as fun so it is like when those things don't go according to like how they've been thought of it is like really hard to kind of like deal with the grief of like you know, the loss of like, oh, I spent a lot of time and effort like into that plan. Yeah. Do you want to hear the most disappointing <laughs> instance that comes to mind when I think of plans changing suddenly and, yeah. and being disappointed in planning for something? Uh, my first wife, we planned a trip to Vegas mm-hmm. for like a, a late honeymoon. It was a few months after we got married. And her and I both watched a lot of like Kitchen Nightmares and Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay. And we were staying at Caesar's Palace. Okay. And he has a restaurant there. Okay. And so like the plan was to Gordon eat... Ramsay's like the guy that's like pretty The intense. celebrity chef, yeah. Okay. And he always, you know. Is he kind of mean? Is he British? He's British and he's okay, mean. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know he is. But I like that about him. <laughs> yeah. Because he's consistent. And he, and he does... <laughs> He does give praise where it's due, yeah, okay. you know, yeah. but still, um, you know, and that was the plan and it was something that I, I was excited about and apparently she was excited about, but it's like once we got there, 
it was like gambling mode. And then it's like, well, let's just eat at McDonald's so we don't spend a lot of money and all this stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like we came. Oh, no. You know, and then it was like the whole time was spent in the casino. And I didn't have a lot of fun. I mean, I got to play some blackjack, which is fun. But like. Yeah, I I get that. I read this post on Reddit and I know that. Maybe this is silly, but whatever. But it was this post about how this chick and her boyfriend were go where they were going to be in Florida, and they she was so excited to oh sorry, she was so excited to go and see the moon on the beach, and um, so she uh like the first night he went to sleep, and so she like was trying to wake him up, but it was like. All three nights, he, like, wouldn't go with her. And she was talking just about, like, how disappointed she felt in, like... But, like, how he was like, oh, my gosh, just get over it. And it was, like, I can imagine that. Like, there are things that I build up in my head. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, I can't wait to do this. Like the manatees. The manatees. Yes. And it's, like, I I build it so much up in my head. And it's, like, then you already have to deal with, like, contending with the reality versus what you are experiencing and, like, and how you built it up. But then, like, for somebody to just kind of, like, also come in and, like, crush it, too. Right, especially it's like, if it's oh. something you want to do with another yes. person. and, like, have been, like, thinking in your head of all the different kinds of, like, experiences and, like, how it'll feel and stuff. And so it's, like, I feel for people who have that, like, who have those experiences, whether they're neurodivergent or not. Like, everybody knows what feeling disappointed is. How like. would you have handled it if you got to Florida and due to the actions of someone else i'm not necessarily saying sarah but that due to the actions of someone else you couldn't go see the manatees i would have been really disappointed i would have been like honestly like i can't imagine that being sarah like she it's not like she would have been like i'm gonna stand in your way right let's just say let's say you had a a third party that was i wouldn't let them i don't think i don't think that there's anybody that i i would have just done it well and that's the good thing about being an adult because we do have some agency there but unfortunately that isn't how it is i mean that um, happened a lot whenever i was a kid like i was Mm -hmm. i was four or five uh kids and so like i mean just by the nature of the beast of like being in a large family like the lower down like you are uh, you know like the less agency you have i would say as a as a unlicensed anything (laughs) I'm licensed to drive. That's about it. Um, you know, I would say from a management background, the the best piece of advice I could give anybody is set realistic expectations. You I know, mean, um, I, well, yes, but that's like saying, get a planner. <laughs> uh, no, I'm saying for to deal with, with children. Because like oh. uh, when I was a kid, my grandpa told me for years, hey, when you're this certain age, we're going to take you to Disney Disneyland down in Florida. And then it just never happened. You know, and I was like, why would you like for years tell a child that? And then he acted like he never said it after that when I brought it up. Uh, you know, yikes, and I was yeah. like, that really sucks. And yeah. so I don't. I, I don't think he took into consideration like how that would make someone feel if you tell them for years, you know, that yeah. something super exciting is going to happen and then it doesn't. Yeah. Um, wow. We spent a lot of time talking about <laughs> uh, unexpected changes. Um, They're That's hard for me. <laughs> so a lot of the comments talked about um, 
various motor coordination difficulties. Is that anything <laughs> that either of you, like Sarah or yeah, Katie, have Sarah, you for sure. struggled with? Yes, for sure. I mean, um, <laughs> it's it's interesting because I have always been, since I was really little, I was in like dance or something like that. But I think that in that kind of setting, like every move and every part of your body is like engaged and intentional. And so like in that was comforting for me because otherwise sometimes I do just feel like wild. Like my body feels like it's um, out of sync with what I want it to do. And I'm running into walls or doorknobs <laughs> or my hip hits the doorknob walking down the hall oh or my, God. So my I head do, yeah. hits too hard back when I sit down because I'm just <laughs> like, it's not quite aware of its surroundings. <laughs> Katie's laughing. <laughs> Sorry. What? It's just I I don't think that like when I'm doing something that's very intentional like sitting, I'm I'm very like engaged and like okay, this is where my body is in space and time. This is where it needs to be like I'm like coming in for a landing. Like right? it's probably like how you are when you're trying to like figure out eye contact. Mm-hmm. So but if I am just walking down the hall, I swear, like, I could be feeling like I'm in the middle of the hall, just walking normal, <laughs> and my hand will just fly into a doorknob and um. just, like, like, like a thousand miles an hour and just for 30 minutes, I'm like, it's like, pow, my hand it echoes like, through dun, the house. Dun, it's just like, oh, my fucking God, like, what just happened? <laughs> and it's just me strolling down the hallway. But something happens where it's like... Boom! That happens to me sometimes. I have, like, bouts of clumsiness. I wouldn't necessarily say it's something that's common. However, (laughs) this probably isn't related to neurodivergence at all and most likely a hereditary thing. (laughs) Um, My dad has a mild form of Parkinson's. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And... when he's trying to do an intricate task, his sometimes his hands will shake to the mm. point where he can't do it. Um, and I've noticed that happening oh, really? to me uh, in as an adult. So okay. I feel like those things might be because I've I have dabbled in like messing around with electronics and building some like crude circuits and soldering and things. And those are the instances when I like sometimes my hand would shake and I have to kind of like stop and like. Yeah. Take a deep breath and and really kind of really focus on what I'm doing. Otherwise, it's this involuntary thing and it's extremely frustrating and a little scary. I mean, my dad's able to deal with it and he's on some medication, like like something blocker or something. I don't know. Maybe you Um, should like go to the doctor and see if you need to be on medication. I mean, I feel like I should wait until it's like a bigger deal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if you say so. I mean, I'm not doing that much intricate work with my fingers yeah, yet. Yeah, but I know, know, but like, what if it, uh, it doesn't matter. Okay, well, we can talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about the importance of routine and predictability for neurodivergent children? I know it's kind of related to the what we talked about as far as unexpected changes, but I know I mentioned last week that, you know, I feel like I strive on a, or thrive on a routine. How would someone go about, you know, working with a neurodivergent child as far as establishing those things, structure and routine? I think probably, um, you know, because I think that there are very likely and I think that I I don't know where we're at as as far as like in the research, but like that like neurodivergent uh disorders are genetic right and so i think a lot of times it's hard to work with like those 
things that you need to be routined and like as a parent and then like how you work with children in that same space um, where the import feels like as the, you know, as urgent or as important. Sarah. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to implement it where you can, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's also like blended families and kids who live in different houses. And so like, you can't control what's happening over there, the routine over right. there. Um, and trying to balance your need for what, like like Katie's saying, like your need for your routine with the child's <clears throat> need for routine and flexibility. Yeah. Um, but it's also uh, so much on a case-by-case basis, like listening to yourself and like what your child's saying. Like, for example, like I have, you know, my kids stay with me half time, mm-hmm. right? a week on, week off. And like... Uh, and the way that uh, they get to school and the way that they get home from school is different when they're here versus there. And so there's so many things that, like, are beyond my – even my control. Um, and so I think that, like, a lot of it is accepting that, like, like trying to, uh, like, have control of things like that is futile. <laughs> Okay. For me, that's important. For me, it's important to go, I don't have control here. And so I kind of like uh, ride a wave of like not having control. Forgive there. yourself. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like find it when you can. And when you can't, yeah. forgive yourself and yeah. just give yourself and your kid grace. Yeah. I mean, being able to even acknowledge that I think is healthy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Because like I try to acknowledge that. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable when it's like, oh, this feels like it's failing a bit, but like there aren't any, there's not very many other options. So just having to kind of go with that. And not let it break you. (laughs) So, Sarah, (laughs) how did you or how did you find that you learned best in school? Like elementary, junior high, high school? I Yeah, I learned best by um, just being able to listen and um, take notes uh, as needed. I mean, I have a pretty good memory when I'm able to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Katie, how do you learn best? Oh, goodness. Uh, That's kind of complicated. I think by doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I really think, like, uh, I do best by... By just kind of going into it like a, like an octopus. I just need to like feel it, touch it, and mm-hmm. look at it and move around it. And Yeah. I feel like, you know, hands-on learning is, is mm-hmm. definitely how I um, learn the best. It's hard for me to really pick up a lot from like a lecture yeah. unless the speaker is animated and passionate and keeps me engaged in what they're saying yeah um and i want to know more like yeah (laughs) yeah uh i think that's something that is lost on a lot of teachers that i've had right but i've had some teachers that like my american history teacher when i was in high school my favorite teacher still to this day even so much so that i took an elective after the regular American history class for a contemporary American history class because I loved learning from her, you know? Um, But that, I feel like that passion Mm -hmm. can really help, especially people that have attention issues. For real, yeah. Instead of just like this monotone droning, like Mm -hmm. reading from the textbook or whatever. And I'm just like, I'd rather like slip my wrists. Oh, shit. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) 
Trigger warning. Oh. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Still learning. Um, but uh, as far as like learning goes, do you know of any... I, I'm, I mean, I'm far removed from education these days, but yeah. is there any like mainstream or things that like techniques to teach children with ADHD to children that might be on the spectrum um, to kind of help them that is being implemented right now or? Gosh, I mean, I feel a little out of touch with it. I know mm -hmm. what helped me was um, I was allowed extra time to sort of like go off on my own tangents and study things on the side that I was interested in. And I was lucky like to be able to do that. I also feel like <clears throat> Even though there's a lot of neurodivergent people who the school system is not set up for, mm -hmm. I think it was set up for me. Like, I did pretty well in it. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so I guess I just – I have a different point of view. Um, I Yeah, I feel like the the – like, if you had, like, all the data from everybody's experience in mm -hmm. school – uh, and then, like, you put me, you, and Eric on, on in, like, you know, on that, somewhere in, on that chart. Mm -hmm. We would be on the extremes, I feel mm -hmm. like, of, like, our experiences. I feel like, um, like, I, my, like, I don't think that there are very many people who probably have an experience like mine. Like, the mm -hmm. experience I had mm -hmm. in school. And same with you, and same with you, right? And mm -hmm. just, like, especially considering where we grew up. Yeah, like I had a really privileged experience of school. Yeah, sounds like especially it. for public school. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty lucky. Were there yeah. any extreme measures taken by your folks or by any teachers to kind of help, or in their opinion, what might help you perform better? No, I don't think so. Yeah. So there oh. were some for me. Um, in, <laughs> There were multiple classes where I had to get things like signed by the teacher to take home to my parents every day and vice versa, you know, right. and I don't think it was necessarily an issue with learning the content, mm -hmm. but doing the work yeah. that I didn't want to do. Like homework is like the worst. Like you know? I, I think when I dropped, cause I dropped out, uh, my sophomore year and I was like a year behind anyway. Right. So it was like, I was what? Maybe 13, 14. <clears throat> and like, I didn't know it. I didn't, I knew nothing. Like, I was complete. I maybe had like a seventh grade education. Wow. And I was just like, this is like, I gotta get out of here. So when you took tests in school, and Sarah, you probably, did you do the Scantron sheets where mm -hmm. you fill in yeah. the little, mm -hmm. did you ever just like fill in whatever, and just to make time. like patterns and shit? I loved, I still get a little bit jealous when it's like map testing for my kids' school, because I love that. I love taking tests. Yeah. Oh, I would never even read wow. the question. I would just. Uh, it was so much fun. A, B, A, yeah, if C, I, know, D. I loved it. If it was I the even best. did it. Like that's. So like I. If I even like wrote my name on it. <laughs> wow. I the social part so of school was ISS. the hardest part of school for me, I think. See, like that's. Was that the opposite for you, Katie? Were you more social than the learning part? I think it was until it wasn't. And then when it wasn't, I was out of there. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I think like. I I was there for the social aspect and mm -hmm. until like until I wasn't and then when I wasn't I was like I'm getting my GED and then I got my GED and I bounced and like ended up going to college um and getting a master's degree, degree and having somehow, a career like getting my master's degree and like I mean I 
Let's let's shift <laughs> up a little bit. Like, so I never went to college. How is how was your experience as as a neurodivergent child in in high school and in, in junior high and elementary school? Like, how different was it when you went to college? And do you feel like it? You were better equipped to handle that. Like, I fucked off in college for a long time. Um, For, like, a long time, I just, I think I was, I went to OT, like, the community college for, Mm -hmm. like, four years and took every fucking class ever available. Oh, wow. And still graduated with, like, a 2.0 grade point average. And then my mom died. And then after my mom died, I was like, I should probably figure this shit out. And, like, I still constantly have dreams where i didn't actually pass my math class and they come back and they're like you don't actually have a degree all kinds of stuff like that but like the i don't know what happened other than like my mom died and i was like oh i should probably figure out what i want to do and then like after that moment everything after that was easy in school oh okay and i don't have a word i don't just maybe having that that light at the end of the tunnel that goal i think it was like I need to fucking do something. Yeah. I need to focus on something because I was Time to grow depressed up. <laughs> and like I had a kid and like things were not like, I don't know. I just did it. That's awesome. It's kind of like whenever like uh, I did the chugging. I was like, I just felt like I could. So I did it and you I did. tried it and I did it and mm-hmm. I could. What about for you, Sarah? What was, <laughs> Mine was how was learning in college? Like I had, it had been so easy for me and I I did what a lot of like gifted kids do is like I went into college and suddenly I, in, I used to be able to just show up for class and if I listened, then like I knew it. But in college, you have to actually read stuff outside of class and mm-hmm. like do things outside of class. You can't just pass by showing up. And suddenly I was failing and oh. I did not do well. My first year of college, I went to a state school, um, did not do well. Um, but I came home and kind of refocused, went to community college, did a lot better, like learned kind of like how to study, learned like how to actually do shit, you know, like mm-hmm. write a paper on my own and stuff like that. And then um, I then I loved it again. I loved um, grad school because it was so focused and it was everything that I was actually interested mm-hmm. in. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, I loved school. I would do that forever if I could just oh, get me paid. Too. Yeah. Nice. That's really interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I I can't really add anything to that because I never went to college. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, let's let's move on. Um. We talked about we talked about learning styles just now. So, um. What about emotional regulation? That was something that came up a lot. <laughs> how did you struggle Still with learning. how did you struggle with those things <laughs> as a child in particular? So one thing that um, kids uh, who would identify with me, like more like autism spectrum kids, we tended to intellectualize as a coping strategy. So we would, um, if we had a feeling, we would like just make it go away by like making it make sense or Mm -hmm. not make sense or um, coming up with a reason why we were wrong to feel that, or, or like feeling it like a, in your stomach, like a stomach ache, mm-hmm. or like like a. Or somatic. I have a headache. Um, I need uh, mm-hmm. to go take Tylenol, and yeah. lay down, or something like that, and not identifying the real issues. And so that's something that like um, is just something you have to learn, unlearn. <laughs> and so, still unlearning it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and not that it's always bad. I mean, it is a coping strategy that you learn for a reason, but like also there are those points when you can hurt yourself with the it. The kind of kid that I was, like at, like me and my sister, we shared a room. We shared a space for as long as like I was growing up and she was there. Uh, I every night I would ask her if she would, if she would cry if I died like every every, every that, night oh that, my god that is like me that is me in a nutshell as a kid I'd be like would you cry if I died every fucking night like that I was is like, that your way of asking do you love me I mean sure I was very emo I was very sensitive I still am uh very sensitive um but like that I was like a walking like nah. did she ever change up her answer oh yeah. <laughs> don't need to get in <laughs> we, we don't need to get I'd in i'd probably be asking you like i mean did i find your body like, <laughs> i cried a lot as a kid um i i had a hard time you know regulating emotions sometimes especially when i was Same. very young I still do. um i've i've always been like an overweight kid i've always been like picked on bullied and everything i remember there was a Thanksgiving dinner at my aunt and uncle's house and they had invited some guy that I'd never met before. <laughs> some like friend of theirs. Like how, how much older was he? Um, I mean, he, was he, an adult? he looked like he was probably in his like fifties. Okay. He may have had okay. gray hair and, and I'm, and I'm a child. Some old I'm, I'm maybe like eight or nine. Okay. Oh, okay, baby. And it seemed like from the moment <laughs> I walked in, he was making comments about my weight. Oh, my God. And then we sat down at the Thanksgiving dinner table and... <laughs> Sorry, you might want to cut like, that out. I didn't even hear you. But I, we sat I, down at the dinner table and to have Thanksgiving dinner, and he had made some comment about, like, oh, if Eric doesn't eat it all first. And I fucking lost Good. it and just started bawling. Oh, no. Oh, I thought you made it. I thought, bawling. like, you took a fork oh, and no. stabbed right No, hand. not at all. And I ran to the bathroom and i got yelled at by my aunt because i caused a scene or whatever and like nobody ever stuck up for me like huh is this your aunt that listens no okay no this was before she was my aunt before she was married my uncle they're the cool aunt and uncle Mm -hmm. Uh, but like nobody would have my back like i he never apologized nobody like like i I couldn't imagine being a father and mm. watching that happen to my kid and not being like, dude, what the fuck did you say? Yeah. You know? And why do you think that's okay to talk to my kid that way? Uh, <laughs> but that's something that you learn later in life is to like stand up for yourself and yeah. to be assertive. Yeah. And so it's like really hard when you have – You're overcome with emotions and like I'm getting emotional just thinking about that. Like yeah. it was traumatic. Um, it's really hard when you get overcome with emotions and then you get like in trouble for it mm-hmm. too. You oh, know, that's my like, yeah, that's what I feel like my, a lot of my childhood was like me feeling a lot and like, um, you know, people keep just not saying, but like even, even going back to, you know, when we talked about like experiences in church and some of the things that were said to me by adults that like Mm. drove me away from the church to where I'm like, I'm not stepping foot back in there because of what this person did. I never got an apology, you know? And it's like, how are you going to do that to a kid? (laughs) Well, and if you think about too, if you have a lot of uh, sensitivities to sensory things and your whole life, you're being told that you're overreacting, you're being dramatic, you're too Mm -hmm. sensitive, then your feelings are all in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your feelings suddenly are too big and too much and and you have to I shut felt them down. a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. I felt like so, a lot yeah. of having to shut it down. How does a parent mm-hmm. like help 
that child that might be struggling with those things? How do they like help them manage that? I mean, um, validate them, Mm -hmm. uh, listen to them, help them, hopefully through ways that you've learned to regulate your own Mm -hmm. emotions by like taking time away, writing things down. Um, yeah. And like making sure that like, um, you're not in a, like you're not being triggered in that state. Like if your kid's like very sensitive and like reactive and like those, those ways that they're reactive are similar to you. And like, there's a, there's a potential that like the reason why that's causing you to feel fluffed or whatever is because that is how you are. And mm-hmm. so like not reacting in the moment, getting some space, you yeah. know, getting some time to cool off before you engage with them about whatever it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, I think like the biggest, uh, misstep in parenting a lot of times is like parents who just don't uh, like admit fault ever. Yeah. yeah. Or like apologize for like behaving a certain way. I so here's <laughs> something that happened in school. Uh I don't remember what led to it, but I was in the library talking to my friend and the sub that was in there and I worked in the library. Mm-hmm. Like that was what I did during my free period and I got like a credit for it or whatever. And you know, I I worked in there and I she had overheard me say something about a computer and something I I, I don't remember, but she like jumped down my throat and like, this is the school property. And I was like, I didn't say I was going to, and she just like, you know, just, she, she assumed I meant something that I didn't. And she was the vice principal's wife. And I went and I complained and I complained to the principal and the vice principal walked in and he's like, there's no way a teacher is ever going to apologize to a student. Cause I was like, I want an apology. And he goes, and this is Eric. We've had a lot of problems with him in the past, which wasn't true because I didn't have any like disciplinary issues yeah. in the high school up until then. And then they kicked me out of working in the library for that shit. Wow. Like Yikes. <laughs> it's just, it's just injustice. Yeah. It is. I can think of so you many know? times whenever I was like, oh, I look back and I'm like, Oh my God. Like had somebody been like, Oh, why do we keep, like doing the same thing over and over again, uh-huh. but like not actually seeing if like maybe this kid needs help. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, like, and and you should be able to admit when you're wrong. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter uh, the age difference. No. You know, I mean, they're still people. Right, and like, you know, even when it comes to like corporal punishment and like spanking and things and apparently there's a school in our state now that has brought back paddling Yikes. and everything, which you know. Why is it that the only person that it's acceptable to hit is a child? Because if you hit an adult, that's assault. (laughs) I know. It's because they're not people. And it's like, I feel like as, you know, why is it so hard to forget what it was or so easy to forget what it was like? to be a child and to, you know, empathize with things that children are going to. All the things that I know, I could not like, I feel like paddling children is fucking disturbing. It is. It's like on so many levels. And I'm just like, who is out there paddling? Like, do you, do they vet these people? Like, I don't know, but I went to school with a kid who was later, (laughs) Later after school diagnosed as autistic, but like him and his dad would make these ridiculously huge, thick paddles 
for the teachers and they would like display them in the <laughs> in class Stop. seriously Stop. like there was one where it looked like it had like a saw blade pattern what? around the paddle oh my god like his dad was a woodworker and like he'd Stop. help him paint it and they would paint the teacher's name on it and i was and like thinking <gasps> thinking and then, back the on it paddle the kids with it no i've never seen the teachers use one That's but they would display it <laughs> in the they would display it in the class Oh, so you know, it's up. like you might as well just have a like the teacher walks in and just puts a gun down on their desk and be like, I "What?" Mean, I don't know. Jeez. It's I just, so fucked up. Not. It's so fucked up. It's like hard to wrap my head around. It is. Like oh it, it's God. it's wild. What are we doing? Like what in the fuck? Like you know the 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 most vulnerable people. In the world, and they have to put up with that bullshit. What if you're, okay, what if you're, like, a principal, and, like, you're at one of those schools, so then you have to be the one that paddles, and then, like, let's say you're single, and you go on a date, and there's this, she's like, I want you to paddle me. Like, that's weird. Like, what, like, why are we doing that? <laughs> that's so fucked up. I mean, I've paddled people for fun. I mean, I mean. <laughs> but it was consensual. The, the people that, I, I probably, the administration that has... The ability to paddle has advocated to get the ability to paddle. They didn't just like fall into this position and they're like, oh, now I have to paddle kids. I didn't want to do this. Like they like made that happen so they could do that. Well, and that's, well, that's like what I'm talking about. The school district just, they just brought it back. Oh, like yes. apparently it was gone and they're like, well, we're bringing it back. Yeah. You know, like I mean, and I understand I that there are, oh. there are discipline issues and that there oh. are, um, you know, there's, there's, I, I know a lot of people that work in education and I know a lot of people who've had really like traumatic experiences at the hands of their students. I mean, you yeah, know, I don't know but what that's doing time, paddling. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's like, what do you do? We don't trust them to teach, teach them about sex, but we trust them to like paddle our kid's ass. That's yeah, and, yeah, we don't. paddles in their class. Messed up. Yeah. And, and, and some parents now don't trust a teacher to talk about like race at all like you can't just, even teach slavery okay. was bad which is ridiculous in some places like... sorry we're getting off into a tangent here <laughs> just imagining if you just worked there like if you had to decline a path if you're like actually i know that you put a lot of work into this paddle but like i don't want it like like this is I, extreme. I'm declining your paddle offer. Your gift. It's like hot potato. No one wants to do it. It's like, dude, I thought you were being. You can't say you don't want the paddle. I thought this was a joke. Me and that person aren't friends on Facebook, but I'm gonna find them and send them a link to this episode and be like, skip to this timeline. And, and Maybe you need to talk Send to somebody. Send us some paddles. <laughs> so fucked up. Yeah, make us a paddle, right? I don't want a paddle. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Especially, like, just, what the fuck? Okay. Arkansas, what the All fuck right, are you so doing? So, what about, like, um, <laughs> that familial relationship between, like... <laughs> hold it together. We're, we're almost done. <laughs> Is it the paddle? <laughs> familial. Familial. Okay. Okay. Not familiar. Like familiar. It's yeah. like family. Siblings. <laughs> yes. Parents. Stepbrothers. Stepsisters. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. Um, 
So let's say you have a child that is neurodivergent, child that is not. Okay. Um, how do you support that child that's not neurodivergent? The one that's not like needing accommodations mm -hmm. at home and at school and maybe, you know, help that child understand why their brother or sister or family member needs these additional resources that maybe you don't. Well, I mean, even though someone's neurotypical doesn't mean there's not accommodation made for that person. Like every person in a family requires some sort of accommodation. Right. Right. Whether it's because like uh, mom has a bad ankle, so we don't take that hike or like uh, this person has peanut allergies, so we don't have peanuts at the house. Yeah. Like everyone requires some kind of accommodation and like that's, I, that's how I would address it. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like, uh, like, oh, sorry, no. How do you overcome like that's not fair? Oh, I've like my immediate insight was like life's not fair, <laughs> but I mean for real, uh, it's it's not fair that sometimes we have to um, like do things that we don't want to do or not do things. Uh, I think saying like okay, well. That's understandable in this situation. Yeah. You are right. This is not fair. Like, what would make it feel more fair to you? Like, is there a way we can compromise yeah. more? But, like, there are certain things you can't compromise on. Yeah. And, like, and if that means that, like, there needs to be adjustment in some other area so that they feel more seen, and then that's what you have to, like, address. But, like, I think that the main thing is saying, like, yeah, you're you're not wrong. Yeah. Like, this isn't fair. Mm -hmm. Validate. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that is, like, to try to find ways to accommodate. I'm just thinking of a thing. Like, say you, uh, on Saturdays, you can't go to the movies together because one person can't sit through a movie. But, like, the other people that want to go can go on a different day. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. Just finding ways that you can... Um, try to make accommodate everyone yeah well also acknowledging that it's not perfect yeah and it's not the way that it is like preferred mm -hmm. for, by certain people so someone wrote into the show um and they asked about a couple of different things they wanted our input on um, and we'll do full episodes on that but there has been as a child um being diagnosed with ADD and kind of getting picked on for that. Mm -hmm. Like how could we support our children who might be getting teased because they have to go to the office and take, you know, some medication or because someone told somebody something and now you're getting made fun of on the playground for having a learning disability or something like that. Cause that's, that's what I've experienced mm -hmm. before. Like, I mean, how how could people wanted? I mean at least some understanding, at least learn what it mm -hmm. is that that I've got going on before you make fun of me for having I mean, a learning but you disability. Can't expect that from kids. Like, I know, but like, it's like how do we how do adults even begin to approach something like that? I mean, I think like being like like being available for you to go to them, like, and tell tell them that you are hurting. I mean, if that's not even provided, then, like, where do you go from there? Like, if you didn't even feel safe to go to the adults in your life and say, like, this is what's happening. Like, I'm this, like, I'm hurting because of this. Um, because, like, adults should have made a, like, 
like not giving you your medication in a way that the other kids knew. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there are things that like adults can come to conclusions like where you couldn't because you're a kid. And so like, of course, like you can't expect that kids are going to know how to behave in situations right. that like they're not familiar well, with. Well, and maybe yeah, I'm thinking about like when I was in school, say, and like <clears throat> I imagine that if I was pulled out for a a special class the teachers probably couldn't tell kids what I was doing Mm-mm. but kids did ask me and like I didn't know what to say but it wasn't anything that I was embarrassed about so I just ex- explained it how I could but if it was something like maybe a way to help your kid is to like help talk to them about what they're comfortable saying yeah. to other kids if okay. other kids ask them like why are you late why why are you gone every day after lunch and you have right. an answer to say because i think that like they what they try to do is say well like it's not there's nothing to be ashamed of if you need to take medicine to make you fucking act normal and put your hands in your pocket when you're walking in line <laughs> what the fuck ever they say right like it's like i mean they they could say that all they want but like that doesn't mean other kids are going to be like freak yeah. Like, but like, so. Kids can be cruel. Exactly. And so it's like, and so say what you're comfortable saying, but don't lie to kids and say like, oh, they'll understand. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, they won't. Kids are fucking not, kids are assholes. Yeah. <laughs> like they're experts in not understanding shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. In, in my situation, it was a teacher who failed me because uh, yeah. they i was being picked on by someone and the teacher told them oh don't pick on him he has a learning disability and then I mean, they picked on me for having right. a learning disability and then yeah. they're like there's yeah. nothing yeah. to be That's ashamed like against, of like you're not technically allowed to do that so that was a major failure it's like their teachers are trained how to like not i know not right? give it all away you know exactly what I mean? it's and like, yeah. i remember teachers saying stuff like to us like um well some kids need extra help in different areas or some kids uh do extra work in different areas or like there are benign ways to say things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know they're on the fun committee well <laughs> what? i'm kidding you don't want to totally it's that a thing. Cause then kid, because then every other kid's like i want to be on the fun committee and then it's awkward because it's like oh you're not fun enough sorry <laughs> I know. sarah's more fun than you right. so Yikes. sorry about your luck <laughs> Maybe next year. Right. <laughs> Life's not fair. <laughs> um, um, do well, either of you have anything else to add um, as far as like growing up neurodivergent and supporting and helping out children that are dealing with the same issues time. we did? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there's just there's a difference between like um, supporting your kids like and what they need. In the in a moment and like how to support your kids and advocate for them outside of that space, right? Like and so like mm-hmm. because a lot of times what your kids need, whether they're neurodivergent or not, is just for you to like sh- just shut the fuck up and listen. For a minute. <laughs> yeah, just literally just sh- just listen to what they're saying. Don't try to fix it. Just like mm-hmm. listen and be like, yeah, that fucking sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry that you got to fucking deal with that. And then even maybe say like, is there something that like I can do? That would help this. And then, like, they might be like, yeah, actually, can you do this? But most of the time, they probably just want you to just not do anything that's going to bring more attention right, to them. And more importantly, <laughs> don't tell them you're going to take them to Disney World when you turn 13. I mean, If you have no intention of doing it. Right? Is that person still alive? <laughs> no. Oh, okay, good. No, he's not still alive. I mean, I didn't mean like that. I didn't mean like that. I mean, 
I'm cool with it. Okay. I don't have a lot of positive memories about oh, that person. So, okay. yeah, unfortunately. Uh, but that's gonna do it. <laughs> hey, that was a deep cut deep from Prince, cut. Sarah. What was it? Seven. Oh, we yeah. Listen to that with our intellect and our savoir faire. I love it. That's a great song. That's what I'm here for. So, what are you here for, Katie? Oh, um, I am just here for this day being a Sunday. Just chilling, relaxing. I'm trying to think. I don't. All our kids are home. All our kids are home. It feels fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. How about you, Sarah? Ditto. Ditto. Yeah. Right on. I mean, I'm I'm good with Sundays too. I need to mow real bad. Oh. That's like I haven't really had to because like all the the heat wave killed and they cut down a tree so I lost some shade in my backyard and like a lot of my grass is dead. A branch there. came down during the storm. Is it now part of your stick collection? Oh, it's huge. It's like it's a huge. So you have to whittle it's it down. Have to be burned. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, free firewood. Yeah. For your next. Uh, bonfire yeah or whatever you do you live far enough outside of the city limits to be able to do stuff like that without any trouble yeah i mean there's not like a you're either inside city limits or you're not it's not like i mean you're okay a certain distance we're outside out. city limits we're that's outside. what i should have said are you outside city limits blow things up and all kinds of stuff we can the town i moved here from had no kind of burn restrictions anywhere and wow. so there was like we lived smack dab in the middle of town, like three blocks from the high school, and I had a burn barrel, and I'd burn all sorts of oh yeah, uh, lawn and stuff, <laughs> sticks and leaves and things. Sticks and leaves and balls. Is that why you're so offended by our stick collection? Because you just want to burn them? I do want to burn them. Let's burn them. Let's have fun. No, they're special sticks. Absolutely not. I put my foot down. Okay. Well, <laughs> on that note, we're gonna end it for okay. today. If you have any suggestions on things you'd like to hear, um. Our opinion on email us neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Facebook, like our page, uh, share the episodes. Uh, really appreciate all the engagement um, from the audience, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.